Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We begin a brand new series today called Influencers, and we're going to be diving back into the book of Acts. I'm going to let you get ahead a little bit. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. Uh, if you've got the North Star app, all the information is right there. Just go to the app, and it will open up there. you got your little sermon note sheet on the way in. That will also be a guide. And of course, if you got your Bible today, it's an easy way to follow along. And we're going to pick back up where we left off a couple months ago. So let me say this real quick. Uh, if you missed the homecoming picnic last Sunday night, you missed it. Was the, was the Isaiah video not precious? Would y'all give the Lord a hand for that? Wasn't that awesome? Isaiah sitting down here on the front row. We had to combine a little Baptist and Methodist, and I got him halfway down and I had to sprinkle him. All right, the rest of the way, I'm like, he wasn't, he wasn't participating. He, he had decided he wasn't going under. I think we'll be okay. Would y'all agree? I think we'll be okay with that. I think we're going to be okay. So I remember a couple weeks ago, we did the baptism message. His precious mom came up to me and said that when we finished the message that day, he was just tapping baptism. He was just pap tapping baptism. And he doesn't normally do this. And he signed his name. He signed his name. And she said, what should we do? And I went, uh, baptize him. All right, that's all we do. And so, But I'm so glad we did. It was such a picture of God's grace and God's goodness. And it's just a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, God is working. God is moving if you let him. Acts chapter 19, let's pick up where we are. This early church has formed. When Jesus died and went to the cross, there were his 11 disciples left. Judas had gone his way. There were about 70 plus believers that were followers of the way at this point that when Jesus left and he went back to heaven, he had told them to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I know those, those people were going, how in the world are we going to change the world? Well, then shortly thereafter, there was a day called the day of Pentecost that, that the fire fell, 3,000 were added to their number that day. And we know in the early books of Acts, it says, and there were added to their number daily those that were being saved. So this movement begins. Well, the movement came with a pushback and the pushback was called persecution. So they went, the Romans and the Jews wanted to squash this deal that was going on in the early church. So they began to persecute the church. So the church that had gathered now scatters. Listen, what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. And, the, and the, the good was the story of Jesus now begins to go everywhere. And on a road to a little town called Damascus, there is a guy named Saul of Tarsus that was going to persecute the church. And in fact, the Bible says he had the papers with him of where the believers were that they were going to go kill and while he was on that road, he met Jesus, and it was a game-changing day in, the, in this movement because Paul, Saul became Paul, and he became a major influencer of the early church. And then Paul begins his missionary journeys. 
So we've been tracking with him. We're gonna pick up at Acts 19. This is at the end of his third missionary journey. We're like, ah, oh, mission trips, fat. We're gonna honor one of our teams and pray for them here at the end of our service. And every time Marsha's going somewhere, I'm like, okay, Marsha, what are the accommodations? Is there air? Don't judge me. You think the same thing. So is there air? What are we gonna eat? You don't get a body like this by not being concerned about what you're eating. And so, you know, and so I had to ask all these questions. Well, Paul's missionary journey not quite like the ones we take. Paul's typically ended with beatings, imprisonment, danger. Every time you fall, find Paul going in, you find somebody trying to run him out. That's just the way you just read through Acts. It's an amazing thing. We're picking up Paul today, leaving Asia Minor, and we watch Paul become an influence. Now, I want you to write down two words at the top of your outline, then we're going to start reading. Spaces, places. Spaces, places. We'll refer back to it in a few minutes. Paul is in this space. Paul is in this place. And Paul becomes an influencer there. We look at Paul's life and we go, well, he was different. Listen, he was different because he chose to be used by God. That's why he's different. He's different because he said, okay, God, in the spaces and places I go into, I am your tool, I am going to be obedient, and I am going to let you use me ever how you choose to use me. Acts chapter 19. Now, we're going to read a little bit and sit. Normally, if you're at North Star, we always stand in honor of reading God's Word. It's a lot today, and y'all are tired. It's been a long weekend. You watch football all day. Don't want to make you stand too long, all right? But at the end of the passage, we'll all stand. Here we go. Acts chapter 19. If at any point you hear me saying something you're not reading, just look up because we're going to chat a little bit about it. Here we go. Acts 19, verse 21. Afterward, Paul felt, what's the next word? Literally meaning he felt divinely called by the Spirit. We're going to talk about what that means. To go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, some serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. Time out real quick. We're going to go back a little bit. Ephesus is a major city. It is a major port city, but it is a city that the majority of the city does not walk with the Lord. There's a lot of idol worship. There's a lot of junk we talked about last time going on in the city, and the people of Christ were referred to as people of the way. That's what they called them. They're people of the way. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So these people, they're they're different. They're not just religious. They're followers of Jesus is basically what they're saying. And there arose a problem in Ephesus. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. 
He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you've seen and heard, this man, Paul, has, what's the next word? He's persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, the magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. So there was a temple to the goddess Artemis and these guys, these jokers, are making these little false idols that everybody's going and Paul's just, Paul's just laying it out and they're losing money and when people begin to lose money, they get angry, all right? And so they're getting very angry with Paul. At first, their anger, at this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go into, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing, some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know what they were there. So this all, all right, everybody look at me. This is just chaos. And some people just like showing up to chaos. Don't even know why they're there. Why are we angry? Oh, that's why we're angry. And so that's what's going on. It is nutso. They're going crazy inside this amphitheater. He motioned. The crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down to speak. I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government since there's no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them and they dispersed. This, this crowd has gone crazy Here. Here's Paul and the believers, and Paul speaks. Would y'all stand with me today? Verse 20. When the uproar was over, Paul sent the believers. This is fascinating. He sent the believers, and he, what's the next word? Yes or no? Was there anything to be encouraged about? No. Paul sends for the believers, and it literally is a coach pulling a group of people together going, it's going to be okay. I know it doesn't look good. I know that it's not seeming good, but it's going to be okay. Paul went, and he encouraged them. Then he said goodbye. And he left for Macedonia, verse 2 of chapter 20. What he encouraged while there 
in Macedonia, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. Here's Paul in the middle of an uproar and in the middle of a season of encouragement. Everywhere Paul went, he influenced. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, we sit in this room today. We sit where we are watching online today because somebody influenced us. Somebody loved us enough to tell us a story that we wouldn't have known otherwise. Some were moms, some were dads, some were coaches, and some were teachers. Some were friends. Probably not names most of us would know, Father, but their names we'll never forget. God, may we be that for somebody else. Speak to us today, and may we learn how Paul lived out his life in a way that lasted, and may we do likewise. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, find three people you sit and hadn't said hello to. Say hey to them, and you can grab a seat. Paul is a fascinating character. Paul, we look at and go, what a difference maker. What a difference maker. This guy has changed generations for 2,000 years. But what was it that Paul did that made his life so usable by God? I would tell you, there is a very small line between ordinary and extraordinary. And I don't think it has to do with money. I don't think it has to do with privilege. I think it has to do with choice. There is a very fall, small line between people that go, God, I want you to use me, and people that go, gosh, I wish God would use me. What is it that Paul did that we can learn. Ready? Four things. Pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, thumbing it in your phone. Why don't you write down a couple things? Number one, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Let's talk about this. Paul was compelled by the Spirit. He was divinely called by the Spirit. So let's, let's do a little theology 101 here. <clears throat> We believe, as a church, and in fact, we taught this earlier in Acts, that on the day you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. All of us. We all have that. We all get that. That is something that happens at salvation. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. The question of how he uses you is how much you, and this is the phrase Paul used, and I want you to write it under number one. It'll help all the frame all this, how you walk in the Spirit. That's the question. Paul writes about walking in steps, staying in step with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. What does that mean? All right? Walk with Jesus daily. That's what it means. You will never be compelled by something you don't spend time with. 
Meaning, <clears throat> if this book gathers dust, you probably won't know what it feels like to be compelled by the Spirit. God speaks through his word. God speaks through prayer. God sometimes speaks through others. But one thing we can always count on, God's always speaking. The Holy Spirit in our life, living inside us, resonates with this. And he resonates with prayer. Does that make sense to everybody? Literally meaning this. You may go, Mike, I, I, I got saved and this is all brand new to me. What do I need to do? Here's what I would tell you you need to do. Get in God's word every day. You will never be compelled by something you don't spend time with. So, October the 26th, 1991. So I had a wedding last night, beautiful wedding in Cleveland, Georgia, which is just right up the road, by the way. That's a long ways, all right? And so in Cleveland, Georgia, I've got four weddings coming up here in a couple weeks, and I'm gonna stand at the altar and marry off these couples. October the 26th, 1991, Ann and, Ann and I said I do at an altar in West Virginia, all right? That's where we got married, Charleston, West Virginia. And I remember... This is all new to me. Of course, I've, I've, this is my first, I'm 22, she's 21. And her pastor goes, Mike, do you take Beth? That is her sister. And I'm like, no. All right, so uh, I don't think, I didn't know if that was like West Virginia custom. I didn't know what was going on. So he's like, no, 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 I'm in Ann. I went, yeah, I want her. All right, and so, but that day, that day on the altar, at the altar, we got married and we exchanged rings, outward sign of an inward commitment. Right? This is like my fifth ring that I've lost all the others. But all right, outwards, outwards, I really am committed. I just keep losing them. And so this one, but when you start gaining a weight, they don't come off as easy. All right, it works, it works out real well. So yes or no, were Ann and I married that day? Yes or no? All right, oh, did not marry Beth. All right, I married Ann. I married Ann that day. We were married that day. If I never had another conversation with Ann, so that day we said, I do, and I turned my back to her, and she turned her back to me, but we chose to stay married. Are we still married? Yes or no? Yes. So we've been married since 1991. It's a long time. The love that I had for her then, which I thought was just off the charts crazy, pales in comparison to how I love her now because we spend time with each other. Our kids are grown, they're out of the house, we're in that empty nest phase. Not so bad, it's pretty good actually. I remember during the pandemic, Mary Michael came home for like two months and she's like, what are we doing? We went, we aren't doing anything, we're doing something, right? <laughs> well, how does that happen? Intimacy is created through time. You will never feel compelled by something or someone you don't spend time with. That little Digging Deeper app, why do we put that? Why does Cole put all the time into that? Why do we take time to make a podcast, to make a YouTube channel? Why do we do that? To help you spend time with the Lord so he can speak to you. Paul was divine. Why was Paul divinely called? His ears heard God's voice. Does that make sense to everybody? 
his ears heard God's voice. They were trained to hear God's voice. I remember I had a pastor buddy of mine a couple years ago. He told me, anytime God brings somebody to your mind, text them. He brought them to your mind for a reason. And so I will, if somebody comes to my mind, I will just send them a text going, hey, just thinking about you today, just want to shoot you a note. It's amazing how many times somebody calls back or texts me back and says, what made you think of me? Why did you think of me? I'm like, I have special powers. It's an amazing thing. When I'm on stage, I see thought bubbles, right? No, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. But I would tell you this, there's been seasons of my life I wasn't compelled by the Spirit because I was spending too much time with me. Does that make sense to everybody? Paul was compelled by the Spirit. What if we walked into every day with our ears tuned in to what God wants us to know? What if every day we walked into the spaces and the places of our lives on the lookout for how God wants to use us that day? Meaning, everyone who comes in contact with you, God sent there for a reason. Well, Mike, does God really do that? If that wasn't how he did it, why did he leave you here? At the moment of salvation, he could have taken you home. But he left you to be you. What would happen if a church said, a group of people said every day, God, send me where you want me to be? In the average month, we'll have between four and 5,000 people walk through the doors of North Star. A lot of people. Not here every week, but in and out over a course of a month. What would happen if four to 5,000 people started being compelled by the Spirit. Number two, I love this. Paul shared the truth about God. It's interesting. What Paul said wasn't popular. These blacksmiths, these silversmiths, are making money off creating these little idols. And Paul is interfering with currency, and they don't like it. Look at the way they said it. This man, Paul, has, and if you're circling, if you get it written out in your Bible, he's persuaded many people. So how did Paul persuade them? Paul had a relationship with them. That's how he persuaded them. Paul didn't just stand up on a street corner. In fact, you'll find Paul in areas, just like at the end of the passage, he went there and he stayed for three months, and he developed relationships I want you to write this down under number two. This is huge. He earned the right to be heard. It's a big deal. He didn't just show up like, who's this joker? He earned the right to be heard, and he was willing to say what wasn't popular. So just so you know, this book guides what we believe and what we teach. And there will be times what we say, what I say, won't be popular. But God honors when you speak the truth. Paul spoke the truth. Paul just said, listen, basically Paul said, you jokers are wasting your money. 
Those little idols aren't doing you any good. Artemis, false god. I know she's all that. You think that's the big deal and she's got a big temple. She'll be gone. There's only one God. That's why they were called people of the way. There's only one. His name's Jesus. Before you walked in here today, did you even know who Artemis was? No, because Artemis went away. Like all false gods go away. He spoke the truth. Number three, Paul was surrounded by good friends. Mm. In my brain, so I've seen as much of Paul as you've seen. I've never seen the guy. I didn't see any post-game interviews with Paul. I've seen what people have projected he may have looked like. I've read his stuff, just like you get to read his stuff. In my brain, I've got Paul as a trailblazer, a maverick, willing to go on his own. It's really interesting. If you find Paul and you read any of his letters, he always addresses his letters to the people. In fact, I read a book with a group of executives a year or two ago, and it was called Paul and His Companions. Paul didn't do life alone. Paul was not a lone ranger. Paul needed people. Everybody look at me. So do you. Paul had good friends. Paul had people around him that made him better. Paul had people around him that sharpened him. You know, we, we use the, the phrase of a friend. A friend is who's running in when everybody else is running out. Paul had friends. I don't think of Paul that way. If you read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, any of his epistles, Timothy, letters to First and Second Timothy, you read any of that, Romans, Paul's always addressing it to the people. Why? Because Paul had companions. Look at me. Don't do life by yourself. You will never become an influencer without a group of people around you to do life with. That's why God created the church. That's why we have small groups. Tonight at my house, I'll have a small group with a group uh, with co coaches and couples at my house tonight because I want them to know when you walk into a, a school campus, you can walk with Jesus and you know that, not because I tell you you can, because you look across the room, and there's a guy over there that walks with Jesus. Well, if he can, I can. We all need friends. So we have groups. Love, I love how this said it. Look, look at the way the passage said it. Paul wanted to go in, but the believers wouldn't let him. Like, no, Paul, you got you to gotta stay out of this one. I remember hearing a guy, Steve Roach and I were together a couple years ago, and I heard a guy say, how many people stand in between you and throwing away your life? Those are your friends. Paul was going to risk something he wasn't ready to risk yet, so they kept Paul outside. Ladies, you do a better job at this than men do. Usually as we get older, we don't do as well at making friends, guys. Ladies, you, you're, you're typically, typically, you're better at that. Guys, as we get older, we insulate. And we don't know, we don't know other guys. Paul needed friends.
And if Paul needed friends, so do you. Can we all agree? Yes or no? Was Jesus the greatest man who ever lived? Yes or no? Was Jesus God's son? With, was he God incarnate? He just had human skin on? Yes or no? When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, his roughest night he ever lived on this earth, he took two friends with him. Isn't that interesting? Even the Son of God needed people. They were worthless. They went to sleep, but he took them, right? They were sort of bad, bad story, but he took them. He needed people. Aren't you glad you weren't one of them that night? Aren't you glad for thousands of years they're going, yeah, Mike went to sleep that night. All right, that'd be a bad thing, ready? Paul was surrounded by good friends. Number four, and Paul made everyone around him better. This is powerful. I said this last week, and I don't want to be repetitive. I think we've screwed this thing up. I think we've made the church something it wasn't created to be. Well, watch, it, watch what Luke records. When the uproar was over, Paul went back by himself to lick his wounds. That's not what it says. When the uproar was over, Paul was hot. But he had some words to share with him. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and he, what's the word? What does it say? You ever met one of those people? See, encouragers are people you're glad to see coming and sad to see going. Encouragers are those, whatever space and place they're in, they always leave it better. It's like you look forward to them. How many of y'all can think of somebody in your life that's an encourager? Raise your hand. I want you to write their name down on your little card. Today, this week, write them a note, send them a text, and say, thanks for being that for me. Because the world needs more. The only people that didn't like seeing Jesus come were the religious leaders. Sinners loved to see him come. He was an encourager. He brightened up a room. You don't see Paul that way. Paul gathered the troops and went, we got this thing. I know it looks like we're losing. We're not going to lose. Thousands of years from now, in this little town called Ackworth, there's going to be this church. He didn't say this. But there's going to be this church called North Star, and they're going to be following too. Just keep going. That's what he did that day. He didn't say that. That's what he did. He encouraged them. Sitting the end of the story. You ever had a season in your life where you poked your lip out? Felt like life was against you? You did encouragers, don't you? A few weeks ago, I went to Fayetteville to just attend a, attend a funeral service of a friend of mine's wife that had passed. And so I drove down to my hometown. I had been, I have not been. Been, I don't think I've been to a service in that church since 1988. Been a minute. 
I walked in the door to to this church, which I have been in thousands of times prior. And I'm going to slip in the back. And the first person I see was my youth pastor. He came there 1984. He's not the youth pastor anymore. But anyway, so he came. Y'all are like, dude, he's old. All right. And so 1984, he came there as our youth pastor. And since 1984 to 2022, he is one of my greatest encouragers. I don't get a daily text from him. I don't get a weekly text from him. But when I see him, it's like water on dry soil. It's like I leave and go. I will tell Ann sometimes, I'm heading to Fayetteville. I've cleared my calendar. I'm heading to Fayetteville because I need a hue fix. That's what I'll say. Because he breathes life into me. He's an encourager. He's a Barnabas. Here's what I would tell you this morning. Mike, God can't use me like that. Why? Because he can or you won't let him. Mike, God, he, he, he can't. I'm just too ordinary. Really? Or are you just unwilling? Your dorm, your apartment, your business, your team, whatever space you walk into is the place he wants to use you. There's a gentleman sitting right over here named Dan Salter. Dan has spent his life in law enforcement. And now he leads spiritual leadership groups of other law enforcement professionals. Why? Because that's the space and place God's put him in. That's where he has influence, and he's using it for Jesus. And the other day, I stood in this room on this campus with lots of people. And I saw people sitting right over here that he's in a Bible study with, that he's an influence over for Jesus, that need that encouragement more now than they've ever needed it. What separates Dan from you? Willingness. It starts today when we walk into our houses. And then tomorrow morning when we get up and we go to our place of business or our our opportunities my mom's was a bank and she felt like everybody God sent to that bank needed to know her story they did not all want to know her story but they all heard it for 36 years she sat at that bank in Fayetteville Georgia and said well God must have sent you here today let me tell you my story ma'am I just need to open a checking account Hold tight, all right? And so she'd go into her story. Influence. Her little office was her space. What's yours? Would you pray with me? Father, today, we all have options. Option A Mike, I feel like God's tapping me on the shoulder going, I could use you this way, but I don't think he can. 
I'm not going to do it. That's your choice. Option B, Mike, God, I don't know why God would want to use somebody like me. But if he's willing, I'm willing. That's how you become an influencer. Monday morning when you get up, you get in his word, you pray. Do the digging deeper, do your quiet time, whatever resource you use, and say, God, open my eyes today for how you want to use me. Who can I be Jesus to Monday morning, September the 19th? And then Tuesday morning, September 20th, you get up and you say, God, I've read your word. I've cried out to you to hear your voice. Show me how you want to use me today. You'll be shocked at the difference your life makes. Nobody outside your spaces and places ever know your may ever know your name or you know your story, but everybody inside of it will. And they'll sure be glad to see you coming. Father, my prayer is for a movement of you. Not more people showing up at church. That's not what I'm praying for. God, I'm praying for the spiritual temperature of a community to change because of the people that you've sent here. all of us pastors, we get together for lunch and say, man, I don't know what we're going to do with all the people. We're not doing anything. They just keep showing up. They keep showing up because of influencers for the kingdom. Right where you are today, would you just take a second and let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Would you? Father, thanks for meeting with us. Thanks for gathering with us. Thanks for speaking to us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.